You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I am James Batchelor, Editor-in-Chief of GamesIndustry.biz, and joining me this week is Brendan Sinclair, our Managing Editor. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, James? I'm okay. I'm intrigued as like uh, your your views on the most disappointing news uh, or Nintendo news of the week. We obviously have a main topic to be getting on, which will be obvious, but my understanding is yours is the lack of Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. It's incredible. Everyone talks about this game all the time, uh, and uh, it hasn't been available in any form since its original GameCube release. I just don't want to pay a couple hundred bucks on eBay for it. It's ridiculous. As someone who's been trawling eBay for uh, 2007 copies of Pokemon Diamond and finding they're not much cheaper than the upcoming Switch remake, uh, yes, I feel your pain there. It's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Nintendo games are particularly bad for this because they just do not reduce in value. Like most other games, particularly third-party ones, you can find for like 5, 10, 15, 20 quid, usually about six months after release. But Nintendo games, 15, 20 years after release, they are still absurdly expensive. Disappointment all the way around. Also joining us is staff writer Jeffrey Rousseau. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well, and I'm glad to be back on the podcast. Yeah, I'm going to say, you've, you've been off ill for a while. Did you at least have like a Nintendo Switch, um, either new model or old, <laughs> to at least console you through that period? I wish I did, but no, unfortunately I didn't. It just got to a point where it was like, man, I really need to play games. But I just read the site and all the news and features you were all writing to keep me entertained. But no games, alas. You are aware there are games on mobile phones? I, mm, no. (laughs) Mobile games, they will never take off. (laughs) That voice, of course, is our news editor, Daniel Partis. How are you today? I am well, thank you, James. It's, uh, It's quite hot. It's quite hot, actually, and I know it's a thing that the British people say all the time when it's definitely not hot, but it is quite hot. Down here in Essex, it's, it's, it's close. You know those <laughs> days when they say, it's, it's not too hot, it's close. It's muggy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely hotter in my apartment all the time than it is outside, so I'm, I feel like I'm always being lied to, but other than that, I'm well. Well, with the uh, weather-centric British greeting started, let's get the show on the road. (laughs) Big story this week, of course, is the Nintendo Switch OLED model. Nintendo finally announced the hardware revision that had been rumoured for so long, and we've we've all seen, and admittedly we have covered all the reports of sources say that these components are getting ready for production and it'll be out later this year. And everyone was convinced, obviously, it was going to be the Switch Pro, which was going to have 4K and bring it more in line, not necessarily with the Xbox Series XS and the PlayStation 5, but at least with the Xbox one and ps4 generation and that's not what we got the nintendo switch oled model which is honestly such a very nintendo way of naming things <laughs> not even they've it's like they purposefully read everything that we the, the sites write because everyone's convinced to write this is going to be the switch pro no it's going to be the new nintendo switch no it's going to be the nintendo super switch and it's like no nintendo switch oled model it does what it says on the tin and what little of that is on the tin is it's got a seven inch OLED OLED screen, so larger than the standard 6.2-inch LCD screen on the standard model. Uh, It's got a new wider kickstand that can stop at different angles. Uh, It's got new built-in speakers for enhanced audio. It's got a LAN port in the dock for those who were getting lag on their their frantic Smash Brothers and Splatoon matches. And it's got 64 gigabytes of internal storage, which is double the 32 gigabyte of the standard model and honestly more than I ever thought Nintendo would put in a console. It comes in a new uh, white color to conveniently match uh, Metroid Dread, which comes out on the same day, so October 8th. We'll get onto the kind of other angles of it, but seemingly the big story about this was that it's not the Switch Pro. Folks, what were your thoughts when this was announced? Is that it? Yeah. Yep, basically. <laughs> that was that was 
kind of it. You know, you, you keep looking through that the the video and the press release, trying to say that okay, well, where where are they going to talk about any kind of performance improvements or battery life or anything like that? But nope, nope. Wide kickstand, wide kickstand, and a LAN port. Don't forget that LAN port. <laughs> I mean, out of all the, the things that they've put on there, I, I feel like the LAN port is kind of the most important because Nintendo are slowly trying to to bring more third-party multiplayer games uh, onto onto the Switch, especially things like Apex. And Apex on Switch is not good, largely because of the, the connectivity issues. So maybe that is a step to improving it. Um, but other than that, no. And I guess Splatoon 3 might be a big multiplayer play as well, which is where that will be kind of utilised. So I, I kind of favour that a little bit more than the stand, but not by much. There'll definitely be a, a Splatoon 3 model of this. It's interesting, when this was announced, it did make sense to me in a way in that one of the things that was reported earlier this year, again with the anonymous sources, and there's definitely Switch Pro, absolutely going to be Switch Pro, was that this model would replace the standard model. And I remember thinking, well, that's ridiculous. Why would you, why would you have your, your handheld-only Switch Lite and then your you know, standard middle-of-the-road middle, middle of the road, you know, original Switch and then the Switch Pro and then just remove that middle part? Why would you make people either go for the very limited, cheaper option or the super-duper expensive option? And now that they've announced it as this and it is just the OLED model, it's like, ah, I can see this just replacing the standard Switch. So once they've run out of standard Switches, where however many are left in the channel, they will only make this. And it's not far off what the... Uh, what the original is although no this is this is $349 so it's more expensive than the current standard switch so it still seems an odd strategy but yeah they, they haven't confirmed that but it feels like yeah they're doing this to kind of phase out the original mm-hmm. yeah it certainly seems that that'll definitely be a route they'll go I mean I can't imagine why they wouldn't because why you're explaining everything like that if they don't then we'll have how many versions of this thing on the market <laughs> if they don't phase out the older consoles with a new one. But when we were presented with the information with this thing, I was waiting to see better battery life to come up on the screen or something alluding to that. And I am so disappointed that that's not the case, mainly because the battery life now, it's serviceable. Although, yes, you can take this thing with you. Like, let's be honest, it won't last a day <laughs> when you're out there. Or even at home. Nintendo has confirmed that neither the CPO nor the RAM has um, changed from the original model. And there was actually there was an interesting tweet that I'm going to bring up. Someone, a, a random Twitter user, messaged uh, JC Rodrigo, who's part of the uh, Nintendo Treehouse team at Nintendo of America, asked, but does it run any better? And JC Rodrigo replied, nope, not what it's for. Stick with the current one if you're not digging the screen. So the only appealing thing here, apart from the LAN port, is this bigger screen. Which kind of ties in with the, the column that Rob Fahey wrote for us this week, which is that the, the, the big improvement is this screen. That is a, an improvement that you're only really going to appreciate if you play it primarily in handheld mode. So this is the second big major um, hardware revision of the Switch since it came out. And it's another handheld-centric revision because it is primarily for, or at least the, the major selling point is primarily for those who do not dock it with a TV. I find that interesting. Yeah, with the the one that docks on the TV, I mean, what improvements can they really make to it is the thing. It's it's just performance, and that's never been, well, not never, but since the GameCube anyways, that hasn't been a focus of Nintendo to try and match 
the competitors on a, on a technical level like that. I do think that it's uh, Nintendo's also been a lot more aggressive with tweaking and, and, and messing with its portables and adding new variations. And like we were talking about the, you know, how many models of the Switch are they going to have on the on the shelves at once? But I mean, Nintendo had the new Nintendo 3DS, the new Nintendo 3DS XL, the 2DS, and the 2DS XL out on on shelves i think they were all kind of readily available around the same time when the last of those the 2ds xl launched they're not shy about this as long as there is some sort of plausible reason for people to get one version over the other and i think having the switch light having the the switch oled and having the standard switch is significantly cheaper i guess and and can get cheaper still that alone is enough of a differentiator for now i think that i don't expect the standard switch to be phased out just yet i think it'll it'll stick around for a while because the the switch oled is it's putting it more into the the purchase category of like the xbox series s your your backup in that really lofty price point that I don't think Nintendo likes to deal in that much if they don't have to. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Interesting, you mentioned the uh, the Series S. Obviously, there's a Kickstarter at the moment for a a, a detachable screen that you attach to your Series S. Um, I saw someone kind of posting this. I think Danielle, you mm-hmm. shared it with us. Uh, yeah. This is this is the competitor to the Switch OLED, um, which I found quite amusing. You talk about like you know, the the multiple devices they had certainly when it came to 3ds and like and and having different options to kind of expand the the audience like this very much kind of ties in again this ties in with them what rob was saying about it being handheld focused handheld focused consoles it's easier to push that for the multi-switch household strategy that nintendo had been talking about for years like since the switch first took off they're like we envisage multiple switches per household and that i think is an easier sell if you're shifting this semi-affordable handheld centric device that yes it's got a dock but you can just use it separately so you know multiple members of the household can you know have their switches but they're not all fighting over the telly because they can play their switch in a handheld mode i think that works i think that will help them shift more of these you know to to more households hopefully and honestly once once people get their hands on the the switch oled and we start getting impressions out there I think you're going to see a lot of people talk about like, wow, it really makes a difference. The the OLED screen is is so nice because like, the the Vita was like I've, I've talk about it every week. It seems such a fantastic piece of hardware, and I love the Vita. I picked up the uh, the the revision that they did without the OLED screen too, and they were cost cutting on that, and I liked it. Still looked great, but it it wasn't quite the same. Like there is the the pop of the OLED screen, I think, is significant in a way that I expect a lot of people will will you know react to the Switch OLED and say like, wow, this really is nice. I don't know if it's replace your current normal Switch, but I expect it to be like a a you know a nicer, superior experience. And the screen too, you know, it's it's a little bit larger. I expect that to to actually make an impact on on people too as long as it's not it being larger kind of makes the limitations of the resolution a little more clear the switch title i've been playing mostly is um the witcher 3 and there are times when even on handheld mode that looks like a ps2 game so i'd be intrigued to see (laughs) that on a seven inch oled see if it does i can't imagine it makes it look any better but i hope it doesn't make it look worse yeah and uh that gets to the heart of why this is a thing because 
there are games that run just fine, but like you said, it's like, oof, this resolution isn't doing anyone any favors. So, and if I'm not mistaken, isn't this thing like sold out in pre-orders already? Oh yeah, it's already sold out. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> but it's a Nintendo device. Nintendo can put anything out, and it will sell out almost instantly. That's also a good point. <laughs> What are everyone's habits, I guess, when it comes to replacing a perfectly good game system? Like, what what does it take to get you to upgrade? Do you ever? I've historically been quite slow to upgrade uh, consoles, mostly like through for financial reasons through my life. The PS5 is the first console that I've bought or tried to buy at launch. I ended up getting it about six months later because of uh, the whole PS5 thing. Yeah, it takes me a while to, to do that. Um, I bought a PS4 in 2018 for, for Spider-Man. So I, I went out and bought this entire console because of one game that I wanted to play. And I think from here on out, that would probably be my my motivator. Okay, so you weren't, like, tempted by the PS4 Pro? Uh, no, but they were both out um, when I was buying Spider-Man, and I just bought the standard one because I wasn't really bothered but then i bought a 4k tv straight afterwards and, and kind of regretted that decision um so but i, I don't think if i already had a, P- a ps4 i wouldn't go oh i'm i'm tempted to upgrade because of that i would just wait i think it, it wouldn't be that much of a bother for me and i don't i don't touch my switch enough to kind of justify upgrading for these very very small changes but i kind of want one anyway i have never upgraded and i looking back i think i've suffered for that i had a an original DS and I never got like a DS Lite or a DSi because I wanted I wanted to keep my GBA slot. I know the Lite had one of those as well, but like, you know, the, the cartridge stuck out. I never bothered with the, the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One X because I don't have a super duplicated 4K TV. I think the, the one where I, I suffered was I still have the original GBA with the screen that you cannot see. Um, I never upgraded to an SP. I still have my original 3DS. I have my launch, weird turquoisey green launch 3DS, and I've never upgraded. And it's partly a financial thing. It's partly, can I really justify dropping, you know, a triple figure sum on a machine that technically I already own, albeit with improvements, but I do technically already own this sort of thing. As the rumours of the Switch Pro were building, I was I was getting interested. I'm still kind of toying with the idea of a, of a light because I, I play primarily in, in handheld mode. And for the first time in my life, I'm now in a point where my consoles are no longer just mine. My children use them. Uh, so the idea, if, if normality ever restores and I am allowed, you know, beyond, you know, more than a mile or two from my house in the, in the name of work, I used to just take my Switch with me, like on a train or, you know, when we go abroad to conferences. But I suspect I won't be allowed because then my son won't be able to play the Bowser game. So I, I was toying with a Switch Pro or a Switch Lite. I don't think I would get a Switch OLED, though. I don't think there's enough there for me personally that warrants the £350 or $350 price tag. Okay, so you're going to buy yourself a new Switch, and your excuse is going to be that it's for the kid so that he can still play the Bowser game. That's a good strategy. I like that. I'm going to buy myself a new Switch because my son has claimed my current one because he's playing the Bowser game. My my Switch is being held hostage, and if I want to play it, then I need to I need to buy another one. Gotcha. You mentioned the 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 GBA, and that that was the first the the SP was the first time that I like bought something, even though you know what I already had could play could play the games you know like the game boy color game boy pocket didn't really interest me but the gbasp like actually having that light 
it seemed like a game changer. Yep. That was arguably the best like upgrades that a console has ever had without being a, a different model. I never regretted springing for the SP and uh, I still have it and it's it's just the quality of life difference between playing the GBA and the SP because it was the batteries too, right? Mm-hmm. The GBA was like double A's that you needed your rechargeables for. The SP had it built in to just plug into the wall. And that was that was really rare at the time, you know, like to have that rechargeable battery pack built in. So the quality of life improvements on the SP were like, they really convinced me like, okay, it may seem kind of dumb, but the experience of playing it is so much better that buying new hardware for a platform that you basically already own is is within the realm of acceptability for me. That changed my mindset. And then things like the PSP, when they redesigned that and made it lighter, the big deal is basically like, oh, it's it's a little bit lighter. And I at first I was like, that's not worth it. But when I eventually got it, uh, when I caved and, and got it, because people were like, no, it really is quite nice. Playing like Disgaea in bed, holding the thing in front of my face, as I lay down and not having my arms get like super tired (laughs) and not dropping the thing on my face or when I do drop it on my face, it at least doesn't hurt as much. These were game changers. I don't, I don't know why they didn't make that the focus of uh, the advertising hurts less when you drop it on your face. (laughs) So ever since then I've been, I've been open to, to things like that and I've got a switch light now and it's, it's great too, but yeah, like I, I recognize that these are absolutely luxury purchases and and I still feel, you know, that that tinge of uh, like, ah, oh, this is pretty wasteful to do this. So like I don't I don't always do it. I've, I've still got my launch 3DS right here. It's working like a champ going through Kirby Robobot these days. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we were speaking about earlier. It's like what changes do you think that they're they're worth it, whether they be quality of life changes or however you want to determine? Or, you know, to go back to the example that Daniel made, she got a 4K TV. Maybe she should have bought that pro. Not making fun of you, Daniel, just using that as an example. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> How do we warrant that? Someone's going to look at the OLD and people have, you know, say, hey, better screen resolution. That's enough for me. Maybe that's not the case for everyone, but obviously we'll see when sales numbers come out if whether or not that's the case for a lot of people and i I think it will be and to go back to the point that brendan made i think everyone has a point where you look at your hardware and then you see a newer version and you ask yourself do i need this whether it be for performance or not whether it's just lighter brighter they're at more bells and whistles and that's just enough for you to get a brand new version for example with my switch if, I don't know, the case was that my cousin wanted it and I'm like, well, I'm going to be moving soon. It doesn't matter. I'm going to just buy a brand new model. And that might be the case for me to get the OLD. Who knows? But it might be the case for a lot of people. It just comes right down to the point that are these changes enough for me? In a lot of cases, they always are. So It's worth reiterating that this device is obviously not specifically aimed only as an upgrade for existing owners who have a perfectly fine working switch like it's not meant as a replacement it's it's a new device it's a new device that you know as unfeasible as this sounds there are people out there who have not bought a nintendo switch they might want this this model there are people out there who have got switches where you know the joy cons are all drifting or the screen is cracked or it's warped or all the wear and tear you get from particularly a portable device that gets used a lot they might think right well rather than buying a replacement switch i'll buy a replacement oled switch 
what I love is the the self awareness of the the you know the people who think this is aimed primarily at them, like the you know the the Nintendo fans who have already got a Switch are perfectly happy with their Switch and are waiting for that Switch Pro. The self awareness I saw on Twitter, where a lot of people, including members of this team, <laughs> who were like, "This does nothing new. This does nothing I need, but I'm going to pre order it anyway." Like, <laughs> like. If you don't need it, then don't pre-order it. But I, but I know for a fact at least one or two people on this team already have. As as not one of those people, uh, I, it just doesn't have a draw for me because I I, I was considering getting a, a Switch Lite for for ages because I think um, the hardware is really nice and it's just a, a nicer thing to to travel with than the Switch. But I'm not traveling anywhere, so I haven't bought one. But even with the OLED out, I think the light is more tempting and then just keeping my regular switch in its dock to play when I'm at home um, because the, the OLED wouldn't add any more in that regard if I'm just sitting in the dock and running it through my TV. There's someone who primarily plays in handheld mode the, the light is more tempting to me at this point. So I'm actually unconvinced about the appeal of the OLED model to people who don't like to the to the new switch purchasers. If I'm just looking for, you know, a Switch, because I'm finally like, oh, Mario Kart, yeah, that seemed fun. Does paying the extra money for for that? I mean, uh, obviously some people would, but I, I think as long as you have a uh, more attractively priced version out there, the, the standard Switch, I think that the casual audience would just gravitate toward that one instead of paying a premium for something that's sort of like in unclear benefit a slightly larger oled screen so unless they do phase out the original switch but to do that they really have to get the price of the oled switch right back down to the original switch price i'm not sure if that's going to be uh, i don't think that's going to be this this holiday season at, at any rate so in, until they're ready to bring down the prices on on oled um i i really don't see it as being much of an appeal to the casual audience so much as it would be to the nintendo obsessive upgrade audience i guess i'm I'm not so much thinking of the casual audience i'm thinking of um the kind of tech enthusiasts enthusiast gamers who the the kind of people who treat nintendo devices their second console the ones that have got an xbox series x or a, a ps5 haven't had a, you haven't got a switch yet, but are tempted by it, and then you know, as and when they've got enough money, actually think, yeah, I'd like to get a switch as well. I will lean towards the OLED people. I, I, that that's a smaller demographic than this casual audience, and you're quite right about that. But I think that's that's who I was thinking of when when I said that. Yeah, well, four and a half years into the generation, like the, the those people, those enthusiasts have, have had a lot of time. Yeah, that's I mean, true. they're 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 out there, but. It'll be interesting to see how uh, significant the OLED sales are. I'm sure Chris will be happy to to tell us all about that. <laughs> Very much looking forward to the Chris string analysis. The one topic we're kind of skirting around, we've kind of touched on it here and there, but I, we should probably dive into it. Is is the disappointment and the the overhype of what what people were expecting the OLED screen to be, um, or the OLED model, sorry. So the Switch Pro, the one that we have been reading about and reporting on for good two or three years now, you know, 4K, really super-duper resolution when it's docked, larger OLED screen. This is not it, obviously. I think it's still out there. I think it's, it's almost certainly going to 
arrive on market at some point, and we can get into that in a minute. But I kind of want to talk about the expectations because the expectations, and, and Rob uh, in his column really kind of emphasised this in a way that I think that we all knew, but seeing it written down is like, yeah, actually, those expectations came out, came from us, came from the media, came from um, gamers, came from everyone that is not Nintendo, because Nintendo never commented, Nintendo never said anything, and I'm honestly, I'm surprised Nintendo didn't. Do you remember when they announced the Nintendo Direct for E3, and they're like, hey, we got like 40 minutes of software-focused announcements? Yeah. I think that was... Uh, them seeing that the Switch Pro, we even talked about it on the podcast. We we're like, do, do you think they're not actually going to announce the Pro before E3? Because that that's the traditional expectation managing tip off for for this thing when they're like, okay, this is a software thing, or hey, that's going to be a hardware thing, and they they kind of clue you in that way. So I'm I'm not sure if Nintendo wanted to get into the business of like squashing rumors, because once you start doing that, then it's like, well, here's another rumor. Oh, they're not squashing that one. It must be true. The expectation of what the Switch Pro would be, or what what, what this model would be, was primarily led by external forces, not Nintendo. Like they, as much as there have been leaks and sources, and I think there have been enough leaks and sources to suggest that, that the Switch Pro that we imagined does still exist. Nintendo themselves never kind of... Yeah, you're right, they didn't correct us, but they didn't like confirm anything. There's been no indication directly from Nintendo that this was going to be the Switch Pro that everyone has imagined in their heads and probably does still exist. They must have been just sitting there watching a car crash happen from the backseat. Yeah. Like, unable to really change what was going to happen. That's got to be frustrating. But I certainly don't think Nintendo bears any blame in this. There's there's a leak. There's press announcement that that kind of stuff gets seized on by, by fans and the community. And it's Nintendo. So, you know, that's another multiplier on the situation. It's unfortunate. And as much as people in various positions along the way could have kept in mind the sort of preliminary nature of things or how they change. Like I, I don't look at this and and think that there's like a lot of blame to throw out here. I think it's just kind of like, okay, well this is what people do. I think it's, it's just a reminder. Like this, this is what happens when the games media and social media and fans, like all, all three kind of pillars hype themselves up over something that ultimately we have no official word on. It becomes something that, like, enough people talk about it that everyone assumes it is a fact. And I know the the, the old phrase is like, you know, that there's no smoke without fire. But games media, social media, gaming communities, we are remarkably good at sniffing out smoke. I just think it's one of those things where where we fall victim to the hype machine that we create, like you just said, but it's it's a weird snowball effect, right? Because we we see and we report these rumors and then we just see things just build up. It just gets into this bigger thing and then we see a release for the OLD and we're like, wait, that's not the thing. We we don't even know, like you said, if the Switch Pro is not actually gonna be something that's going to come eventually. But in the interim, I just think it's again another reminder and you know, we speak about this normally amongst ourselves is to, you know, temper expectations. Otherwise you're just going to fall victim to the hype machine, whether or not that's console games, what have you. But but it is interesting when you step back to see how we arrived here. You know, as we were discussing this, I was thinking about, like, how did we get here? Right? It was a rumor, insiders, people talking on social media, supposed reports, 
And then that's how we got to this big snowball effect that happened. I find it interesting that it, it took all of that for us to get there, but then the actual thing doesn't live up to the hype. And then you're like, what happened? <laughs> so first of all, I like, I think this is, um, as far as like bad things that happen in the industry, I, I think this one, it seems relatively harmless to me. Some people got excited and now they're disappointed and that's, that's unfortunate. And maybe Nintendo's stock went up and down and there's real world implications of that. But what would anyone propose be done differently here? Bloomberg's report, I think, is when this really started to kick up. And they they talked to to people in the manufacturing and supply chain, I'm guessing, and and got information from people involved in the actual, you know, production of Nintendo's new consoles. And then they reported it. And they were clear about, you know, well, one, they just said people with knowledge of the situation. So when you read that, you kind of have to, like, think, okay, well, that could be people within Nintendo. That could be people who partner with Nintendo. But it's, you know, it's it's not someone that's willing to put their name out there next to this information. Do we blame Bloomberg for, for reporting on that? And maybe, but for the most part, I think I don't see anything wrong with, with what they reported. So then it's like, okay, well... Then it's an unconfirmed report that's out there. Now, lots of sites like like us reported on Bloomberg's report, kind of aggregated that and said, like, okay, here's here's this thing that's happening. Should we have reported on that? I I still think we should have. And and especially as the excitement and anticipation for it built up over over the weeks, that had become a story in and of itself, basically, right? When, when the industry is kind of holding its breath, waiting for Nintendo's big Switch Pro announcement, and then it turns out to be something completely different, that's still newsworthy. That's still changing the way people think about the, you know, the industry and how they're going to... Microsoft and, and Sony's holiday plans may have been adjusted in, in light of, like, expectations of a Switch Pro. Like, the, these things are newsworthy for the industry and and for individual you know gamers and people in the community should they not have gotten excited well it would have been great if they were like a little more precise about picking apart the language in these in these reports and and seeing like okay so this is an understanding like this isn't a definite thing it's you know maybe that there's room for plans to change over time because it hasn't been officially announced things like that and there's all these shortages of electronics uh, components like it would be great for them to take that into consideration and moderate their hype uh, accordingly but like a lot of that crowd is you know there's there are a lot of of kids in the nintendo crowd anyways you know you can't expect them to like be super media literate about everything and and they're they're fans they're consumers they're getting excited about something that they really like and that they really want to happen there's nothing to blame in that if you look at this as like, oh, that's horrible, it's a debacle, everything went wrong. Like, I don't know where you look at it and say, like, this is where someone went wrong and it could have been fixed. I think it was more just like, whenever you see a headline that ends with the, there's so many sites do, that ends with dash report. That dash report is doing a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but we write these stories, right? Yeah. When we put dash report in there, like, that's our way of telling you, like, okay, this isn't 
Yeah, but and we know that, but we can't expect the readers to to understand everything that we put into the stories as kind of like a a clue to them to what actually happened the way that we understand it. You know, like whether whether you talk about like um, representatives from this company did not respond to comment; they were not immediately available for comment attempts to reach this person or that person were unsuccessful like every different phrasing of an idea like that means something different to us and readers i think they they can't really be expected to parse all of that out the way that someone who is a journalist a professional writing about this kind of stuff and like thinking about every line to make sure that it's is is this actually accurate the way that we're phrasing it do we know for sure that this is the way things went down oh and how do we massage it to like kind of make something that's readable while also still accurately reflecting uh what what happened and there's a lot of room in there for misinterpretation even you know among journalists who do this Every day you can read someone's story and if it's well written, you might not understand exactly how how much massaging they had to do around one sentence to make sure it was precisely saying what we knew, but not saying the things that were, you know, uh, assumed or unknown or, or not actually accurate. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy in our position to say that the media isn't responsible for mismanaged expectations and the way that these stories kind of snowball and then they trickle down to people that are getting excited for something that originally started as a, this isn't true, but it might be true. And then it turns into this product is coming. Everybody brace yourselves. Um, but I, yeah, you're absolutely right in that people don't read these stories or absorb these stories like we do because we're trained to find the important bits but people just don't do that um so it's not i, I don't think it's a, it's a mismanagement of information on any side really it's just kind of how people understand things at the risk of kicking off another hype cycle then do we think there is a switch pro and and, and when do we think it would arrive because i think i think part of it is like it can just be enjoyable to speculate and to to try to predict what it is nintendo might do i remember having conversations with um with us with our, with our team like in the past month or so like trying to work out would a switch pro really work you know launch this year taking into account well there's the semiconductor shortage and they don't really have a game to launch it with like everyone kind of assumes that breath of the wild 2 would be the launch game for a switch pro oh but they could you know do a last minute announcement of a metroid prime trilogy hd remaster like we we all kind of get caught up in that, like trying to work out what they might do, what we would do. I have to say at this point, I don't expect a Switch Pro until or, or any kind of Switch successor until next Christmas at the very earliest. Because if they're only if they're only launching this in September, I mean what, the light was about two years ago? I can't imagine there's another hardware revision in the within the next calendar year financial year because otherwise this oled model just isn't given enough room to breathe but it does feel like there is a form of more enhanced switch whether it is a full-blown successor or another hardware revision it feels like there will be another switch model coming out because as jeffrey was saying earlier like um we were talking about performance games performance there is still that complaint part of the reason that the oled model 
cause disappointment in that there's no significant improvement of of, of performance or battery life, etc. Is because there are people, there are that core that core gamer crowd who aren't as satisfied with the Switch gaming experience because you know some of the games that are on there, like Doom Eternal, was one I've heard. Like you know, it's certainly not running on par with its Xbox and PlayStation versions. And I think there are people who would like to see that in a Switch. And I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo is, is reaching for that. I'm a little unsure. A Switch Pro and the HD and everything, it makes sense. But at the same time, like if you're, if you're going to have a 4K system, then they're going to need more powerful hardware, right? So that's more expensive chips. And then you got to have larger game files, right? Because the assets have to be in in high res, and then you're going to wind up, you know, with with situations like the Call of Duty Warzone, hundred plus gigs sort of thing, and the OLED switch is a 64 gigabytes of memory built in. Nintendo is is not exactly overly generous with with the memory in their systems, and then you've got since it's a switch, it has to work undocked, so you've got battery life concerns and to have a switch pro that's capable of the 4k horsepower uh has the memory to to have 4k assets in 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 the games and has the battery life to not just completely you know die as soon as you take it off the dock that sounds like a uh really expensive and high-tech product. And those are two things that I don't associate Nintendo with. And maybe I'm overestimating how high-tech uh, this stuff is right now, but clearly it is higher tech than what Nintendo has has shown it's, it's willing to do with the Switch to this point. That's kind of what I was thinking. Just, I don't know where things like 4K really sit in in nintendo's priorities thinking about stuff that they've designed in the past and how they keep up with the generations as is you know like when when the pro consoles were were out and people were, were really getting into it to 4k hdr and the, the games looking the best that they could be nintendo was like here's some cardboard that you can put your controller in you know i think that their the priorities are aligned like in a completely different place and i i just i i don't know like like brendan said it's it'll be difficult to create a kind of console handheld hybrid with all of these things in mind while keeping the price point reasonable and i don't know if the company overall kind of cares about having that functionality similar to to other consoles on the market and games looking the best that they can because they don't make those kinds of games really it's it's a really appealing fantasy to like see a new you know blockbuster triple a third party game come out and say like oh man it'd be great if i could play that on my switch so i understand why the desire is there like there's a lot of stuff that i would love to play but i i don't just because I, I i don't have the time to sit in front of a tv and play it so much but i don't i don't know if if nintendo is trying to fulfill that fantasy no we've uh, we've got the the xbox cloud gaming app for those who want that that experience on the go, don't we? Has anyone ever used that? <laughs> I, I'd be interested in that, and you know, more more stuff like that. Because like, I'm not going to buy the cloud version of Guardians of the Galaxy on the Switch, even though I would absolutely try an Xbox Game Pass streaming app on the Switch, just because I I hate the idea of of paying 
money for something that I only get as a cloud thing instead of have a way to actually play it on my own if the internet goes down. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, we're going to be back on Thursday with the next GI Academy jobs cast. So if you uh, missed the previous episode, we, over the next four weeks, we are doing special panel discussions looking into the world of recruitment in video games, taking a look at uh, you know, a deeper look at certain topics in that area. Uh, that's all part of our Get a Job in Games Month, which you can find out more about on the site. Uh, I'd like to thank the rest of the team for joining me for this. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks, James. <laughs> <laughs> As always, you can find all previous episodes, including our five games of and game developers playlist podcasts on the same podcast feed on the platform of your choice. The most recent five games of was out last week. It is the five games of Warren Spector. So if you haven't listened to that one, please do give it a download. And you can always find more news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. I'm so glad I'm not editing this.